Hallelujah. He is alive. Will you please turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews and chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. We're examining the lives in our sermon series of the saints mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, which the author of Hebrews calls a great cloud of witnesses at the beginning of chapter 12. And after examining the lives and the faith of all of these Old Testament saints, the author encourages us in chapter 12 to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Today we'll see the faith of Sarah. And one of the most interesting things about Sarah is that she is remembered for her faith, but not in the moment. So where is your faith at this morning? Where is your faith in God? How strong is it? If it's really strong, amen. If it's barely there at all, guess what? That little faith honors your heavenly Father and he loves you. I want to start out by asking each of you to spend some time in prayer. Asking God to do what he promises to do every time we open his word. He's going to teach He's going to instruct, he's going to correct, he's going to encourage, he's going to love you with his word. Take some time individually now and ask God to do for your heart what you need him, what you need him to do. Pray. Oh Lord, thank you for creating us and giving us life. You've given us breath this morning. Thank you for that gift. Help us praise you with our breath today. Lord, you give forgiveness for every confessed sin. Thank you for that forgiveness. Help us receive it. Help us feel it. Help us know that you remove our sins as far away as the east is from the west. Father, thank you for the comfort you promised to give us in our time of need. Give us grace and mercy this morning and today and this week. Lord, strengthen our faith in you today. You know what our hearts are facing. You know what our minds are thinking about. You know all the distractions right now distracting us from you and your kingdom. Father, silence all of those distractions now that we might hear from you in your word. Feed us, Lord. Nourish us with your loving words. In Christ's name we ask and pray. Amen. 
Well, the story of the faith of Sarah, Hebrews 11, verses 11 through 16. If you don't have a Bible with you, it's reprinted on the back of your bulletin. Let's hear with reverence the word of our Lord. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. The faith of Sarah is concluded with some thoughts on the other saints who have been mentioned so far. And so we could say that there are four words that summarize Sarah's faith, power, promise, death, and desires. Power, promise, death, and desires. And I have a sentence to go along with each of them this morning. First, power. Faith receives the power of God. Faith receives the power of God. Look at verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age. Uh, so the first thing to notice is that faith receives before it does. Faith receives from God before it does. Faith is a gift from God. We receive faith from God before we live a life of faith. We receive love from God before we can give out love. We receive forgiveness from God before we can forgive. Faith is a gift and we receive it from God before we act in faith and before we are even able to act in faith. If you remember verse 6 from a few weeks ago, without faith it is impossible to please God. So God has to give you the gift of faith first before you can live a life of faith. Uh, think about forgiveness. You can't give out something unless you've received it. I mean, if I gave all of you a candy bar after the service, I'm not planning on doing that. But then you could all give a candy bar to someone else. You can't give something away unless you have it. And the same is true with all good spiritual things. Forgiven people are able to forgive. And what a difference that makes in our world today. Because we have a, a new world where you're not supposed to give forgiveness. You're supposed to say that some things are unforgivable. I could never forgive the people who did that or who said that or who celebrated that. But forgiven people are forgivers. Faith receives from God first and then acts in faith. And so we are forgiven and we forgive. We receive the power of God first and then we act in faith. Sarah received the power of God and then she lives out her faith and brings a miraculous child into the world. Look at the last line of verse 11. 
Here's her faith after she had received the gift, since she considered him faithful who had promised. That's her faith in action. God promised, I believe it. God promised, I trust him. God promises this, I am going to orient my life around a God who promises to do that. I'm not going to trust him for things he doesn't promise. I'll hope for those things. I'll pray for those things. But I will trust him and expect him to follow through on everything he has promised. That's what faith does. Faith receives before it does. And faith receives the power of God. For Sarah, it was a miraculous gift of becoming pregnant past the age where it was possible. Verse 11 again. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age. Now, science has advanced a lot in 4,000 years, but they knew when you were past the age of being able to have a baby. Okay? They knew. They knew. Uh, If you don't know the story of Sarah and Abraham and how they tried to have kids and then how eventually God gave them this gift, uh, she was old. I'll tell you how old in a moment. But let's consider modern recorded recent history. The oldest mother ever to give birth happened in 2019. Uh, Aramati Mangama gave birth to twin girls. So she gave birth in 2019 to twins, right? All right, happy birthday to those twins. 2019, she gave birth to twins. Her and her husband got married in 1962. So she finally got pregnant, and now it was through medical means when she was 73. 73. Now that happened due to medical intervention. The oldest natural pregnancy on record was Dawn Brooke, who gave birth in 1997, having become naturally pregnant at the age of 59. That's the oldest natural pregnancy. Pregnancy. So you all had that awkward reaction when I said, 73? No way. Okay, back to Sarah because it's a miracle. In Genesis 17, we hear of what Abraham thinks about God's promise that Sarah is going to become pregnant. Genesis 17, 17. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, just like you all laughed, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old, shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child. 90. Faith receives the power of God. And you know it's more exciting than that. Okay, she was past the age. She got pregnant. She had a baby, the child of promise. But God promises that power to everyone who believes because the tomb of Jesus Christ is empty and the power of the resurrection is available for all of God's children. So faith receives the power of God. God steps into our stories with something only he can do. And each time he does that, it's a miracle. It's God doing what we can't, but what he does God does miracles. It's what he's famous for. Now, some of you might be thinking, yeah, but that's Sarah. She's she's famous. Me, I haven't received a miracle. What are you talking about, miracles? Well, guess what? Every single person who believes in Jesus Christ, who's trusted in him, is born again 
and is a miracle. If you are a child of God, your old self has died and you have been raised to new life, you are walking around a miracle in this world. So you have received a life even more miraculous than an old woman getting pregnant. Because you have died and been raised to new life in Jesus Christ. That is a miracle. All of us through faith have received the power of God. Sarah received the power of God and had a miraculous pregnancy and birth. But faith receives the power of God. That is point one. Power. Faith receives the power of God. Second, promise. Faith is based on the promise of God. Faith is based on the promise of God. Well, let's talk about this promise and how Sarah's pregnancy really was God fulfilling a great promise. Uh, Sarah didn't just miraculously get pregnant at an old age. That's impressive enough. But this is one of the most important moments in redemptive history. God's miracle that day wasn't just giving a child to a couple. But God was keeping one of the most important promises ever given in this world. God picked Abraham out from all the peoples of the world and said to Abraham, I am going to create a people for myself and you are going to have so many ancestors and descendants, so many descendants, that it's going to be more than the stars in the sky. And he made this promise. Look at verse 11. In Hebrews 11, by faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age. Why is this her story? Since she considered him faithful who had promised. God makes promises and Sarah is remembered eventually for trusting God's promise. And God said to Abraham, I've got a big promise. And Abraham laughed at one point. And Sarah laughed at one point. And God kept his promise. So this is faith. He promises, I have faith. But you know what? We're jaded from trusting promise makers, aren't we? We've all made and broken promises. We've trusted in people and politicians and teams and celebrities and self-help people. And we've trusted in authors and we've trusted in leaders and bosses and people who are responsible for our lives. And we've seen failures of promises so many times. Sometimes we trust liars and they keep making promises and we keep trusting them with no sign of repentance and that's foolishness. And so we live in a world where when we hear about promises, we're jaded sometimes to trust in a God who promises. Even though his track record is perfect, it's just that everyone else's track record, including our own, is imperfect. Let's say you pay the bills for your company. And you've missed the last six months worth of bills. You could apologize all day, but we're still not going to trust you to pay the bills anymore until you've re-earned your trust. But in fact, your boss will probably fire you or at least reassign you to another job. When people break their promises, they don't keep up their responsibilities. We stop trusting them. And so it's hard for us sometimes to trust God. I saw a funny sign about a company this week, and this was their motto as a company. It reads, we do precision guesswork based on unreliable data provided by those with questionable judgment. Don't trust that company with anything. You know, faith is really dangerous. It's scary to put our faith in someone, isn't it? 
But God has never failed to keep a promise. Every promise he keeps. Even if one day the great, 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 great grandchild of this child born miraculously to Sarah was going to have to die in our place on the cross, God even kept that promise. So faith is based on the promise of God. And it's explained more in verse 12. Therefore, from one man, that's Abraham, and him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. Go back to verse 11. Since she considered him faithful who had promised. I know it's hard to trust in those who promise. Your parents may have failed you. Your teachers may have failed you. Your boss may have failed you. You may have failed you. Your spouse may have failed you. But God has never failed to keep his promises. So if God is the promiser, then your faith is safe. If God is the promiser, then your faith is safe. Sarah trusted God. Faith is based on the promise of God. Hebrews chapter 11, as we've been studying it, is all about people of faith. And yes, many of them are remembered for remarkable actions. Crossing the Red Sea, being willing to lose a child, defeating Jericho by walking in circles. But it's not the actions that are the point. The author reminds us over and over again, it's not what you do. It's who you trust. It's the faith and who the faith is in. And this is no more evident than it was with Sarah, as I said at the beginning. At the end of the message this morning, I'm going to talk a little bit about Sarah's faith when she first heard the promises of God and what God did in spite of her reaction. That's how good God is. But second, faith is based on the promise of God. Our third point is faith redefines our death. That word death. Faith redefines our death. Let's look at verse 13 through 15 now. Uh, now at this point, the author of Hebrews takes a little bit of a pause from listing saint after saint after saint in the Old Testament and makes some comments on all of the saints who have been mentioned so far. So verse 13, these all died in faith. Stop there. They had faith until the day they died. When they had their funeral, they were remembered by their friends and family and loved ones as people of faith. And so they are remembered as dying in faith. And this is very important for us. Faith changes our death. Faith changes our death. And since faith changes our death, it redefines our life. When death is not the end, then this life is just temporary. This life is momentary. When death is not the end, when God promises to give eternal life to his people, this life now is the small appetizer of the whole big life ahead of us in the new heavens and the new earth. And that's so much better. That's so much more glorious. God is great and glorious now, but this moment does not end in our death. Sarah died in the faith. Enoch died in the faith. And we too, if we have faith, will die one day having lived a life of faith, having seen some of the promises of God now and then all of them forever forwards in the age to come. If you're suffering right now, today, greatly, 
and it breaks your heart and you're on your knees praying every night for the Lord to relieve the suffering you're going through. If you are in Jesus Christ, there will be a day in the future when you will be able to say that this moment was a million years ago. And God has gotten you through it. We die in faith. Sarah saw part of God's promises fulfilled. She was unable to have children anymore, and God helped her get pregnant anyway. She saw a little bit of the hope of God, a little bit of the promise-keeping of God, a little bit of the reliability of God in her life, but she didn't see the whole thing. She didn't live to see millions of descendants who would say that she was the matriarch of their family, of their people. She didn't, but she saw a little bit of it. These all died in faith. Verse 13, not having received the things promised. In other words, they got some of God's promise here, an appetizer of it, and the rest of it they got to see in the new heavens and the new earth. And then it goes on, verse 13, but having seen them, the promises, and greeted them from afar. And this is truly the life of faith. These are the things someone like Sarah says in faith. I know where I'm going when I die. I know I will get a remade body. No more acid reflux. No more cancer. No more aches and pains. No more tears of loss and grief and mourning. I know I will see loved ones who died who knew the Lord Jesus Christ and were born again as well. I know that my suffering in this life will produce glory now and forever forwards. I know that my suffering now isn't meaningless. That's what faith says. Having seen them and greeted them from afar. And that's your life too. You've seen some of God's goodness, some of God's peace, some of God's mercy, some of God's grace. And you've seen it and you've loved it and you've received it. And you joy in your heart knowing that that's just a small percentage. It's a down payment. It's an appetizer of the feast to come. Having seen them and greeted them from afar. That's what Sarah did. She saw a baby. But not the millions that would come. But the baby was the reminder to Sarah that God is going to keep his promise. She died in that faith knowing God would keep his promises. And he did. So faith reorders and redefines our death which redefines our life. Look at the end of verse 13 now. Because this is really important for you and I as people of faith. And having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Anybody feel like a stranger and an exile here? More and more? I had lunch with uh, one of you this week, and we were talking about a monthly meeting this guy has to go to, and he said, Dave, every month I am reminded that I am simply an alien in this world. My priorities are different, my language is different, my hopes are different, my dreams are different, my goals are different, my everything is different. We're aliens here. God's people are not at home in this world. This world is not our home. As we will sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And what happens? The life of faith. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. The reason this world is not our home is not because it isn't going to be one day, but it's because this world is broken 
and ravaged by sin. Our sin and the sins of the ones around us. But one day God will remake this world and will remake our bodies. And then this will be our home in the new heavens and the new earth. But this isn't it. And so for some of you, the act of faith this week is just to say, Lord, help me be comfortable that I am an exile and a stranger in this world. And that's what faith does. Lord, help me be comfortable that you love me even though everyone around me thinks I'm nuts. That's what faith does. And if you've suffered at all, or especially if you've suffered for your faith, and I'm thinking of teenagers who've suffered for their faith, or you're at a workplace, or your family is the only, you're the only believer in your family, and you've really felt that persecution for your faith, well, you're in good company. Because faith redefines our death, which means it redefines our life. Well, look at verse 14 of the saints who had their faith. Verse 14, for people who speak thus, this way, make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. So Sarah and the other saints, when they talked about their faith, when they talked about where they had come from, they didn't spend much time saying, I used to be there. I came from there. They talked about where they were going. God is leading me. He's guiding me. He's redeeming me. He's remaking me. He's making me more like Jesus. Yes, our testimony is I was blind, but now I see. I was lost, but now I was found. I was addicted, and then I was redeemed. I was anxious, and now I have peace in my heart. I was, and that's our testimony. That's our testimony. But if they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. Sometimes God's people in the Old Testament said, wasn't it better when we were slaves in Egypt? No. Your life of sin before Jesus Christ was not better. You thought it was fun. You thought it felt good. It was slavery and you've been set free. And so faith doesn't always look back. It always looks Ahead, which is Jesus' invitation to you. What does Jesus say? Not go back, not turn back. Jesus says, follow me. Jesus says, follow me. The life of faith is one of following Jesus where he is taking you. So faith redefines our death, point three, which redefines our life. Finally, fourth, faith reorders our desires. Faith reorders our desires. This is really helpful for us to think about too. Look at verse 16. But as it is, they, people of faith, desire a better country that is a heavenly one. In other words, one in the presence of God. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. Sarah was a woman of faith. Sarah's faith was in God. She received his power. She trusted his promises. So her life and death had been redefined. And because of that, in this life, by faith, God reordered her desires. She wanted the right things. She desired the best things. She wanted and desired the things that God promised. Faith reorders our desires. Maybe this week for you, the biggest change that's going to happen as God speaks to you through this message is that you will seek God's face for much better desires than you've been desiring lately. Wouldn't that be great? If you stopped desiring dirty water and instead you drank from the well of everlasting life. 
Verse 16. As it is, they desire a better country. Friends, what are you living for? Your kingdom or the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is bigger, better, brighter, and much more exciting than your little kingdom. What are you desiring? A better country? Are you building up your treasure? Or do you seek the treasures of Christ, the abundant treasures of Christ in your life? Be honest. And I was preparing for this line all week. The Lord was gracious to me, so I wouldn't have an embarrassing answer. But when you woke up this morning, were you thinking about 10.30 when we would gather for worship? Or was your first thought 6.30 when Philadelphia gathers for worship? (laughs) Kickoff of the Super Bowl. Honestly, what did you desire when you first woke up? I will tell you. If the Eagles winning the Super Bowl is your highest desire, then your desires are broken. If that's your highest desire today, that's way too small for your heart. You were created for fellowship with your creator who gives abundantly and meets all of our needs. If your highest desire is the Eagles winning the Super Bowl, that's way too small. Because God fulfills the desire of our hearts. What can Jalen Hurts get you? A Super Bowl victory? Has he promised? I don't know. Can he deliver? I hope so. But what can God deliver? Think about this. What can God deliver today? Desire these things. Seek God's faith. Looks to God and says, Lord, reorient, re orient my desires. Think about what God has promised for today. All of this is promised today for people of faith. Philippians 4, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and not maybe and not hopefully and not fingers crossed and not, I hope the team pulls it out, no, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It is promised that you can have peace today. How many people want peace? How many people are dying for peace? They're doing everything they can to just have peace in their heart. In the midst of the chaos, it is promised that if you seek his face, he will give you peace. That's promised. That's a guarantee. Psalm 55, 22 Cast your burden on the Lord. Do you have a burden today? Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. If you have a burden today, cast it on the Lord and he will bear that burden for you. That's a promise and he keeps his promises. Psalm 23, 6. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, including today. And on your last day, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Like Sarah, these died in faith. We're going to die in faith, and then we go to the presence of the Lord as he prepares the new heavens and the new earth, and we will be with him forever. That's a promise. Isaiah 41.10, last one. Fear not. I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. Here's what God promises today, and these are promises you can count on. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Those are promises of God. 
strength, help, and he will hold you up when you can't hold yourself up. Faith reorders our desires. Here's what it looks like on a week. Faith trains us to want the gift giver more than the gifts, to want the blesser more than the blessings, to want the promiser more than the promises, to want the hope giver even more than the hope. And he gives all that to everyone who has faith. Sarah had faith. And by her faith, she received miraculous power. At age 90, past the age of childbearing in her day, she became pregnant and had a child. And it was miraculous. So let me ask this question. How strong and incredible was Sarah's faith when she first heard this promise? Because I want to ask you, how strong and incredible is your faith today? Is it world famous level faith today? Was Sarah's faith amazing? unshakable, unmovable, that God would give her such power in her life? And the answer from Scripture, if you know the story of Genesis 12 through about 20, is no. Her faith was not amazing. Her faith was not incredible. Yes, she is eventually remembered for her faith, and you will be too. By grace, you will be remembered for your faith, as strong or weak as it was at times. But in the moment, and maybe this is you today. In the moment, Sarah's faith was shaky. Sarah's faith was minimal at best. Sarah's faith, which she is famous now for, might be as strong as your faith today. If it's just the smallest amount of faith. When Sarah first heard the promise, you and your husband, you're going to get pregnant. She doubted the promise of God so much that she said to Abraham, the only way we're going to have a baby, you, you've, got to have, you've got to get pregnant with another woman. That must be the only way. Sarah comes up with an idea for her and Abraham to sin, to get God's promises to happen. That's how much she doubts. And then when the promise is given again, she laughs, which is why the boy's name is Isaac. Laughter. And then when she is challenged on her doubting laughter, she lies about it. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. Yeah, we all know she did. She's remembered for laughing in doubt at God's promise. And yet God still gives her the promise and the power in her life because she learned to trust God. So if your faith is so weak, so small, reach out to God. It's not the strength of your faith. It's the strength of the object of your faith. My favorite illustration on this has helped me a lot over the years. If you're sliding down the side of a hill and there's two branches. And one of those branches looks really weak, but it's got really strong roots. And the other one looks really strong, but it has really weak roots. If you grab on with all of your might to that branch with no roots at all, you're not going to be saved, even though your faith in that branch is so strong. But if out of the most doubt-filled, 
pitiful, embarrassing, shameful. I guess I'll try. I guess I'll reach out. You reach out that little branch with the strong roots. It's not the strength of your faith. It's the strength of the object of your faith that will save you and deliver you and give God's power to you in your life this week. It's not the strength of Sarah's faith. It's the strength of the object of her faith, our Heavenly Father. And it's not the strength of your faith. It's the strength of the object of your faith. The God who promises to give his power to his children. So faith receives the power of God based on the promise of God, which redefines our death and reorders our desires. So today, brothers and sisters, like Sarah, put your faith in God. Trust him for whatever you're facing. And when it is hard and when you start to doubt, is God really going to get me through this? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, fix your eyes on Jesus. Because for God to keep his greatest promise, the great, 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 great grandchild of Sarah got on the cross and died so that you could have a savior to remind you that God keeps his promises. May God give us that kind of faith in him all day today. Let's pray. Lord, we confess that we doubt you sometimes. When there's an earthquake in the world that takes so many lives, when we're rejected by a loved one, when we fail at school or work or sports or our other goals. We're jaded at times, Lord, from people having broken their promises to us. And so, Father, restore our faith in you this morning that you are the God who keeps all of his promises. Help us, like Sarah, trust you with faith. Help us, no matter how hard it is, look to you for the peace and comfort and healing and redemption that you promise. Lord, reorder our death and therefore our lives. And Lord, reorder our desires as well. Help us today, more than anything else, desire you more than everything else. Because then that will be for our good and your glory. Lord, strengthen weak faith today and for the hearts that can hear me now who have not trusted in Jesus Christ yet. Lord, open their hearts now for salvation. Give them the gift of faith and help them receive your power to be born again and to walk in the newness of life. Give your children victory over our enemies this week by your power. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.